And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM as we get back into our Bible study in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 13, the subject of the Antichrist. Uh, been in the news a lot lately, but anyway, that's a uh, slightly different aspect to the story. But anyway, we need to, before we do that, mention Pam Hasten. From Thaguna. Yeah. Congratulations. Won well the done. Double prizes. It's been a while since anybody's got double prizes. Ooh. So, yep. Cop that, Lyle. Um, of course. Man, she put the, it on the, the first I clue, I know. The too. first clue was this book mentions... What book am I? This book mentions death more than any other book. Yeah. And how many times does it mention it? Um... 31 times. 31 times. And Pam correct, correctly guessed... The book of Psalms. Mm. Now, that's a, uh, you know, when you stop and think about it, it's the longest book of the Bible, so it kind yeah. of makes sense that I yeah. talk about death more than any other. You didn't other. guess that. I did not. <laughs> Wasn't even close. I should no, have just I should have thought of that. Just go, well, the longest book, if it talks more about something than it. But then again, <laughs> if you were to say grace, well, that's not the, Psalms doesn't talk about grace as much as, you know, even Romans or anything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Of course, we have our encounter with God time now, and we have been studying through the book of Revelation, and we're in chapter 13. We're up to the beasts. We are indeed. <coughs> Mate, Frog in my throat. I am struggling. struggling here this morning, but anyway. <laughs> okay, so we noted yesterday that the a beast symbolizes a nation. This mm-hmm. is a nation with seven heads and ten horns, mm. um, seven crowns on its horns. We noted that this one is a composite beast. It is made up of a leopard, a bear, a lion, and receives the power of the dragon. Uh We went back to Daniel chapter 7 to find the parallel of this beast. And in Daniel chapter 7, we noted that you had a lion, you had a bear, you had Mm -hmm. a leopard, and you had a dragon in that order, and that those four beasts symbolize Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Mm. And, of course, that's going to indicate to us that when you come to the leopard-like beast or the composite beast of Revelation chapter 13, it's going to have aspects of all those previous kingdoms within it. It's going to be the natural follow-on from those kingdoms because the last of those kingdoms, the dragon, is the one who hands over its power to this particular composite beast. Now, of course, we noted that the dragon is a symbol of Satan, but specifically Satan working through the Roman Empire because Mm -hmm. a beast, an animal, is a symbol of an empire, and therefore we know that um, this is going to be an empire here that you know Satan is working through. First of all, he works through the dragon, then he works through the composite beast or the leopard-like beast, and then he works through the uh, the land beast. Um, you know, different stages down through history that Satan is using to accomplish his work. Okay, so now we go to uh, Daniel chapter seven because we need to find out who the Antichrist is. We find that the Antichrist in Daniel chapter seven is called the Little Horn. Yes, and we've got some key identifying characteristics that we're going to look at here in relationship to the Little Horn. And what you're going to find is that the Antichrist is known by a number of different names in the Bible. In Daniel seven, he's called the Little Horn. In Revelation, sorry, in Daniel eleven, he's called the King of the North. In Second Thessalonians, he's called the Man of Sin. In First John, he's called the Antichrist. And in Revelation chapter thirteen, he's called the Beast. And in Revelation chapter seventeen, the Great Harlot. Each mm. one of these names gives a different view of who the Antichrist actually is. 
Uh, but what we do find is you have the same identifying characteristics in Daniel chapter 7 for the little horn as you do for the beast in Revelation 13. We are going to work our way through these, Lawson, so why don't you read for us Daniel chapter 7 and verse 7, please. Yes, the Bible says... This is the, just, a, just a quick review as we get started. This is the fourth beast of the vision here. So we go lion, then we go bear, then we go leopard, and then we go this beast, which is a symbol of imperial Rome. Okay. Then in my vision that that night, I saw a fourth beast, terrifying, dreadful, and very strong. It devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth and trampled their remains beneath its feet. It was different from any of the other beasts, and it had ten horns. Okay, so then there's a couple of things that we need to note about this particular beast, uh, symbolizing Imperial Rome. The Bible talks about it being dreadful and terrible and exceedingly strong, having great iron teeth, smashing everything in its path which is a fit symbol for an empire that comes along, conquers the Greek Empire, and is three times bigger and lasts three times longer than any other previous world empire. Mm. This is an empire that lasts for literally hundreds of years Mm. and dominates the world probably more than any other empire has dominated the world uh, previous to uh, the United States. Then it continues. Oh, we, we also need to notice that this particular empire has ten horns, mm. and Daniel chapter seven is written in two halves. The first half is the prophecy. The second half is the angel Gabriel explaining the prophecy mm. to Daniel. So we're going to just flick over very quickly to the explanation of the prophecy in Daniel chapter seven, and we will go down to where will we go to verse twenty four. Yes, the Bible says in Daniel 7 and verse 24, it's ten horns are ten kings who will rule that empire, then another king will arise different from the other ten who will subdue three of them. Okay, and of course in some translations it has ten kingdoms. Yes. uh, Because a king in Bible prophecy is synonymous with a kingdom. Kingdom. Um, And you can see that right here, say for instance in uh, verse 17 where it says, These great beasts which are four are four kings which shall come out of the earth. Many translations put, put, put four kingdoms there. But when you go down to verse 23 it says, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom. Mm. So king synonymous with kingdom. And so you've got an empire that has ten kingdoms that come out of it. Mm. Okay. And so um, <clears throat> we need to consider the Roman Empire. And when we look at the Roman Empire, when it collapsed, it collapsed initially into ten separate kingdoms, just as the Bible prophesied it would. Um, and uh, that's that. If you go to the year four seventy six, which is given, you know, as the date for the collapse of Western Rome, you'll find that the empire has divided up into ten separate kingdoms. Seven of those kingdoms become the foundational nations of Western Europe. Mm. Three of them disappear, so that they no longer exist and can no longer be found. Yes. All right. Let's now go to verse eight, and let's read about. The little horn, okay, the, the Bi- Antichrist, the <laughs> yep. beast, the, the Bi- great harlot. <laughs> the Bible says in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 8, 
as I was looking at the horns, suddenly another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were torn out by the roots to make room for it. This little horn had eyes like a human and a mouth that was boasting arrogantly. Okay, there's some really important identifying characteristics given in this verse, and the first one that we're going to look for is the geographical rise, the geographical location for the rise of the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. Whereabouts on planet Earth will the Antichrist arise from? Well, we know that it's amongst the ten horns, which are the ten nations of the Roman Empire or mm-hmm. of Europe, so geographically it would rise up from there. And we know that those ten horns are in the head of the fourth beast. The fourth beast is Imperial Rome. Mm -hmm. So we know that the Antichrist will arise out of Imperial Rome. Yeah. Plain and simple. Uh Very easy to understand. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then, and I find this fascinating because I don't know how many times, I don't know that there's ever, has there ever been a US president in the last, like, 60 years that has not been labeled as the Antichrist? Yeah. It was like, I think the first one was Reagan, right? Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. He was like the big, like, Reagan's the Antichrist and everyone, all the evangelicals were going crazy about Reagan being the Antichrist. Of course, that was before I was born, but, you know, looking at some, some history. There that, is, yeah. Okay. But the Bible says no. The Antichrist does not arise in the New World. It arises in the Old World and specifically in the Roman Empire. Mm. Okay, so let's uh, look for now a time frame. Mm. This verse gives us a time frame yes. for the rise of the Antichrist. Yes, it does. How? Because it says that there's ten horns. Yes. And then it says when it comes up. It removes three horns. Okay, so first of all, before it removes three, we have to notice that it comes up among ten. Yes. So the ten are already in place when this uh-huh. one rises to power. So we've got to find out when were those ten in place. Bye. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And, of course, we give the date for that. Any historian will give the date for that as being 476 AD. Mm. So we know that the Antichrist is going to rise out of Western Europe, out of the Roman Empire, after 476 AD. Mm-hmm. But that's a very long time span. You know, that's like, uh, what, 15, 1600 years ago. Yeah. Um, and it could be anywhere in that time zone. Mm. But we know that it comes after that point because yes. the 10 are in place. Okay, what does it then do? What does it do as it rises to power? It subdues three other horns or plucks them out or tears them up by the roots, yes. some translations give. So here's what else we know we know that it will arise among the ten. So while there are still ten separate nations in Western Europe, it will rise to power. Mm-hmm. But it will rise to power before. Three of those original ten are destroyed. Mm. So that gives us a much uh, clearer time frame for what we are dealing with here as far as the rise of the Antichrist goes. Okay, by what date were the last of those three destroyed from Rome? Oh, here we go. It's good that I know the answer to this because it is 538 AD. That's right. 538 AD was when the Ostrogoths, who were ruling in the city of Rome, were driven from the city of Rome, Mm. and um, the city was um, liberated, so to speak. 
Yes. That gives you then a time frame. And, of course, the Vandals and the Heralai yeah. uh, were wiped out in the years previous to that. Basically, what happened was that um, – well, we'll go into the history of, uh, of how that happened. In, in Well, no, let's deal with the history now. Uh, <laughs> basically, what was um, – Nah, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> okay. Make your mind up, mate. Yeah, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> all right. The history of how it all took place. Okay, but that gives you a time frame. Yes. And what that does is it places the rise of the Antichrist in the distant past. Mm. And so we now know that the Antichrist has been here in the past, mm-hmm. is here in the present, and will continue to be here in the future, mm. which is very, very different from what you will often hear Amongst Christianity today, yeah, so many Christians today have, you know, they're drunk the Kool Aid. They have been deceived by Satan, who comes along and says, "You know what? You don't need to worry about the Antichrist. Mm. You won't even be here when the Antichrist reigns." Yeah, wow. Uh, why would you be concerned about the Antichrist? The Antichrist is going to reign in the future, and not realizing that the Antichrist is reigning right now. Yeah. Wow. Oh. So this is information we need to know about. I think the thing that's also really important is that the Antichrist is often ascribed to like a person. You know, it's oh, yes. Ronald Reagan or Obama or of course, Osama always, Bin Laden. Always going to be an individual. But whereas here it's so clear that it is a horn, which is that's a kingdom. Not a, that's not a symbol of an individual. It's a kingdom rising up amongst other kingdoms. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so well, it, in Revelation 13, it's a symbol of a beast. Find me a place in the Bible where a beast is a symbol of an individual. Mm. And moreover, just, just, just thinking about that is like... Again, okay, so if this person rises up during, like, the time of Imperial Rome, how could it be a person? How could it possibly be a person? (laughs) Have they been living for the last 1,500 years? Like, just wild stuff. It is. It is. A beast in Bible prophecy is a symbol of a nation, as is a horn. Mm. By the way, in Revelation 17, here's another clue. In Revelation 17... Uh, the Antichrist is symbolized as a woman. Oh, that's not a symbol of a nation. No, it's not. That is a symbol of a church. Yes. So you've got a church state that we're dealing with. But anyway, that's further on for the Bible study. Let's go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3 and 4. Do you want to read that for us, La? Why would I want to read that for you? Oh, because I'm just turning there right now. <laughs> and I'm already there. Yeah. I'm already ahead of you. Yep. It's nice to be ahead of Lawson for a change. <laughs> I have too much to say on this Bible study. I dominate it too much. Okay. Alrighty. Man, where am I? I have no idea. Where are you? Here we go. What is it? Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse... 3 and 4. Verse 3 and 4. The Bible says, Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Okay, so here we have and, and, and this this is this this is a passage that many people will point out and say, Okay, but this talks about an individual, this talks about the man of sin. Mm. So, therefore, the Antichrist must be an individual, and they'll take yes. this passage and throw every other passage in the Bible out the window. Mm. Uh, there are a couple of things that we need to take into consideration. Daniel, does, Daniel 7 does not, does not say that this nation does not have a man at its head. Yeah. We look around our world today. 
we'll get that. Mm. Every nation is going to have a man at its head. Yes. There is someone in charge. Yes. Or a woman. Yes. But in the case of this particular nation, it is only ever a man. Mm-hmm. This is a nation who has never had a queen. Oof. Yeah. It's only ever called the man of sin. Yeah. Okay, read for me verse 7. The Bible let's says find out, the- let's find out, let's find out. Okay, let's find out this. Uh, has the Antichrist been here in the past? Well, verse 7. Verse 7, the Bible says, this is Second Thess- Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 7, the Bible says, for, for this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding back its steps is out of the way. That's Paul's day. Mm. And here we find that the Antichrist was already at work in Paul's day. Yes. Go to First John. Chapter 4. By the way, first, first John is the only place in the Bible that the Antichrist is called the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Chapter 4. Mate. I'm struggling. And verse 3. First John chapter 4 and verse 3. The Bible says, mm. but, if, <laughs> but if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. Okay. Spirit of Antichrist was already there. Mm. Why are we looking into the future for the Antichrist? We need to be looking in the presence for the Antichrist. Mm. Why would God warn us about the Antichrist if he did not want us to know who the Antichrist was? Yeah, well. Why would God proclaim the strongest warnings in Scripture? You know, mm. these are that you'll find anywhere, Revelation 14, yeah. against those who worship the Antichrist if he did not want us to know who the Antichrist was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the spirit of Antichrist has been here from the very beginning. The Antichrist was working behind the scenes in Paul's day. It comes to light, you know, several hundred years after Paul's time, mm. comes out into the open, but it has been there all the way through. We need to be aware of the Antichrist right now. Fully. Actually, um, oh, not too long ago, I, I sort of stumbled onto some kind of Christian forum on Facebook. And it was like literally called like the Christian Crusaders or something. Um, it was just a bunch of dudes, you know, ha- asking theological questions and talking about things going on in the world. And there was a there was an opinion poll and a discussion, and it was just a picture. It's like, who do you think the Antichrist is? And man, some of the comments on that just absolutely wild because it's just all guesswork. Yeah, they're just like, oh yeah, this this person. It might be him. It might be him. It might be this guy. It might be that guy. Like, how many people have claimed that that you know, one particular person or whatever has been the Antichrist over the last however long. I mean, it's almost like as if God, you know, let's let's go to Revelation 14, let's read it. Let's yeah. read what the Bible says and just and just see how little sense this makes. Yeah, this, this makes is wild. no sense. It, it makes Christians look like absolute morons when they get involved in this kind of speculation. Mm. There is no room for speculation in relationship to who the Antichrist yeah. is. Uh, Revelation 14 and verse... 9 and 10. The Bible says, Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast and his statue, or accept his mark on their forehead or on his hand, must drink of the wine of God's anger. It has been poured out full strength into God's cup of wrath. 
and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. This is the only place, the only place in all of the Bible, in the entire scriptures, where the Bible talks about wrath being poured out undiluted. Mm. And it's poured out on those who worship the Antichrist. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, seriously, God wants you to speculate about the identity yeah. of the Antichrist? He's like, yeah, I'm going to pour out wrath undiluted. And you can speculate about this. Anyway. Lesser like collective. Prophets portray the nations as creatures So say the eschatology teachers Drama played out, narrated by preachers now Many years after Nebuchadnezzar Prophecy came first year of Belshazzar When on the sea then four predators Wow Lion with eagle wings it towered Lopsided bear all others devoured Four-headed leopard it overpowered the bear Then came the fourth defying description Crushing and cruel cold-blooded mission From the ten horns a Wow. 
Wow. <laughs> I've never heard that <laughs> song before. <laughs> oh, that was gnarly. <laughs> that was off the charts. Because that was the Lesser Light Collective with The Little Horn Takes the Stage. Man. They didn't hold back. <laughs> they went there. <laughs> yeah, that's not politically correct. No. No. <laughs> that was... That was heavy. That was, <laughs> that was, that was so wow. good. Wow. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we need to get back to our Bible studies. Like, what do we have to say after that? Just play the song again. Bible studies done. <laughs> Over. Finished. These guys, um, these guys are something else. Anyway, let's go to, uh, yeah, if you don't know who the Antichrist is after that, then. Um, <clears throat> Mate, you're struggling. You are struggling with the newspaper. <laughs> Okay, Revelation, uh, Daniel chapter 7, I don't even know where I'm going now. Daniel chapter 7, we were talking about, um, yes, the rise of the little horn uh, mm-hmm. to power. We were talking about how that this is something that took place in the distant past, is right here in the present, and continues on into the future. Mm. And we were specifically talking about how the Bible, God warns undiluted wrath on anybody who... Mm worships the antichrist you know and 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 it's just it baffles my mind that people would even begin to try and speculate on such an important subject it's just it's just bizarre that such a thing would you know even even take place so much speculation when the bible is so clear the identifying character characteristics that the Bible gives are so clear that there can be no doubt, Mm. none whatsoever, as to who the Antichrist is. Mm. Okay, so let's look for some more identifying characteristics. Daniel chapter 7 and verse 7. What else have you got for us there, Lawson? The Bible says, Daniel chapter 7 and verse 7, you, you get that mic in front of your <laughs> yeah. face. You get in trouble with that this Mate, morning. struggling. <laughs> we... Um, we know that the beast is terrifying and dreadful and, and very strong mm-hmm. um, and devoured and crushed its victims with huge iron teeth and trampled their remains beneath its feet. It was different from the other beasts and it had ten horns. Okay, so we have here this uh, particular beast. Uh, let's, let's go on to verse 8. There's some, some identifying characteristics in verse mm. 8 that I want to look at. As I was looking at the horns, suddenly another small horn appeared among them. Three of the first horns were torn out by the roots to make room for it. This little horn had eyes like a human with, uh, sorry, had eyes like a human and a mouth that was boastingly arrogant. Okay, what other identifying characteristics do we have right there? Okay, so we see this, this little horn, it comes up, unplugs the nations, you know, plucks them up by the roots. Roots. It has eyes like a man, and it speaks boastingly, arrogantly. Okay, so we know that this little horn has a man at its head. We've already talked about that. Yes. So eyes like the eyes of a man has a man at its head. How does it speak? Arrogantly. Arrogantly. And boasting. Let me read to you, me read to you what it says in my translation. It, it gives us some clues here. It says it speaks great things. Mm. If we go to Revelation chapter 13, which is the parallel prophecy, and we read Revelation 13 and verse 5, let me share with you this for us because it's going to give us a clearer definition for what speaking great things actually means. In Revelation 13 at verse 5, there was given to him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Mm. Okay, so to to speak great things 
according to the Bible, is to speak blasphemy. Mm. Now, the word blasphemy can mean many different things today. Mm. I was talking to a friend of mine about blasphemy the other day, and he was talking about you know how that there had been on occasions uh, that he had taken the Lord's name in vain. He had used God's name as a swear word. Mm. And obviously that is the sin of blasphemy. And we were talking about you know why we often use, or well, not we, but people often use God's name as a swear word, but they never use the name and Jesus' name as a swear word. Mm. But they never use the name of the Holy Spirit as a swear word. And we were wondering, we were speculating, is that because the Bible says that the sin against the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit cannot be forgiven? Yeah. It's an interesting thought. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that no one ever uses the Holy Spirit's name as a swear word. <laughs> However, the word blasphemy has meant different things mm. down through history. Mm. If we go back to the first century when Jesus was on earth and when the book of Revelation was being written, we find that blasphemy had a different definition to what it does right now, and we're going to find out what that definition is if we go over to the Gospel of John. So we'll go to John. There are actually two definitions that the Bible gives. Uh, John chapter 10, and we will go to verse... Start in verse 30. Okay, the Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse 30, The Father and I are one. Once again, the people picked up stones. Jesus said that. Yeah, yeah, Jesus Jesus says the Father and I are one. Yep. Yep. Once again, people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, At my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, We're stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Okay, so here you have, uh, and we read this in Second Thessalonians, where he makes himself God. Mm-hmm. We know this. The Bible says that he speaks blasphemy. Uh, blasphemy is claiming to be God when you are not. Now, when Jesus made this statement right here, and he claimed to be God, was that blasphemy? No. No, because he's exactly who he is. Yeah. It's not blasphemy to claim something that you are. Mm. Um, but for um, you know any entity, any nation here on this earth, any individual on this earth to claim to be God, that is blasphemy of the highest order. Mm. Okay, so now we go back to the Gospel of Mark and we get our second definition, which is kind of the same thing but just a slightly different twist on it. Chapter 2 and verse 5. And this is the story of a man who was paralyzed and he was brought to Jesus for healing. And uh, when Jesus sees him, he doesn't immediately heal him. So what have you got for us there in verse 5 through... uh, Just start in verse 5. Yeah, Mark chapter 2 and verse 5. 5 through 7. 5 through 7. The the Bible says, "Seeing Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Okay, so claiming to be God or claiming the power to forgive sins, the Bible says, is blasphemy Mm. of the highest order. 
And so now we have a first century definition for what blasphemy is that brings our prophecy into context. We know what we're dealing with in Revelation chapter 13 when the Bible says that he blasphemes. And of course we have the parallel in Daniel chapter 7 where he speaks great words. So we're starting to get a bit of a collection of identifying characteristics here for who the Antichrist might be. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 7 and let's... Um, we're going to, Daniel 7 now continues on and talks about the judgment. But before it does, there is one more identifying characteristic in Daniel 7 and verse 8. Can you find it? Okay. It's the really obvious one, but it's obscure at the same time. It hides in plain sight. Small. It small. was small. It was small. So what you're looking for is a tiny nation, mm. a very small one. And interestingly enough, um, the uh, Hutt River province in Western Australia. The the prince of that province just died, and so it's going to be an interesting court case to see whether they ever get to pay taxes again or not. But that's just a, um, a side note. This is a small nation, actually smaller than the Hutt River province when mm. you come to find out how big it is. A micronation, we might say, but one of incredible power. As our song said, it becomes... Very, very big. Anyway, we're going to move on. Uh, This is Randy Travis. Which way will you choose? You're listening to Faith FM. As the world becomes entwined in the lies from Satan's mind, a leader will arise to take the reins. Saying love will bring us peace If you put your hope in me Renounce the name of Jesus or be slain Which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? You got everything to gain You got everything to lose Take his mark, believe the lie to chill their hearts They'll know the time has come to seal their fate Those who cling to the cross will refuse and pay the cost As God redeemed his own from the sea of pain Which way will you choose? Which way will you choose? You got everything to gain
Dragon. Hi, I'm Nigel, and we'd like to invite you to our church, the, the Southern Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist Church. We meet every Saturday morning at 10.30 a.m. to study the Bible, followed by our main service at 11.30 a.m. You can find us at 107 to 109 Princess Highway, Dapto. We are in the High Ninja Hall inside the Dapto Rivenwood Centre. For more information, you can get in touch with us on Facebook. Just search for Southern Illawarra Seventh-day Adventist church or contact us on 0402-716-762 we hope to see you soon and stay tuned to face fm you're listening to faith fm positively different radio what comes to mind when you think of studying nursing practical experience a rewarding career great employment prospects when you think of nursing think of avondale college of higher education 92.7 percent of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree with credible experience and with friends for life to apply now visit avondale.edu.au it's higher education designed for life
This ain't a game Stop playing games Ogendi, I've got to try and get my tongue around that one. The first time we have ever had her on this show, a newly released album uh, featuring Anna Weatherup. And, uh, yeah, just fantastic. Hope to hear mm. a lot more of Kemi. Kemi is a wonderful person, so uh, we'll get her into the studio when I get back from Ethiopia. And we'll have a chat with Kemi about her story, her testimony, her album, and what God is doing in her life. Yeah, we will. And uh, hopefully play a lot more of her music. Just beautiful right there. All right. Question of the day, Question of the day. I'm ready and ready to go. What does rain symbolize in the Bible? Okay. This is part of a series of questions that was handed to us by one individual. Uh, The first one being, what does um, wine symbolize? The second one, what does oil symbolize? And now we have this one, what does rain symbolize? So we have the symbol of liquids. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1, Ask you the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord will make bright clouds and give them showers of rain to every one grass in the field. So does that mean that we just pray for rain? Now we need to pray for rain right now because um, you know Australia is, is very, very dry. But what does it actually symbolize? Is Zechariah just saying, hey, we need to be praying for rain right now? Do we have a drought happening right now? No, he is talking about something different, and particularly when he references the latter rain right there. So let's go over to Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44, and let's look at what it says in verse 3, where it says this, I will pour water, in other words, rain, upon him that is thirsty, and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your seed and my blessing upon your offspring. And so the rain is a symbol of the Holy Spirit and how God wants to just pour out his Holy Spirit onto this earth. He wants to pour it out on us. And it's a little bit like you go, you know, you walk outside in a downpour. What's going to happen when you walk outside in a downpour? Well, you're just going to get drenched and soaked through. Uh, with the rain that is coming down and God wants to be drenched. God wants us to be drenched or soaked through with the Holy Spirit. And of course, this is why Jesus states in, you know, 1st John chapter 5 and verse 6 that he came by water and blood. Uh, we are baptized by, you know, by water and 
by the blood of Jesus Christ. And of course, Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, the Bible speaks about the washing of the Holy Spirit. Washing by the Holy Spirit. And of course, it is rain that washes us and makes us clean. Now, we began in Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1, where the Bible talks about the latter rain. What's that all talking about? What is the latter rain, the early rain? If you go over to Deuteronomy, um, and this go, takes this, this, this whole concept another another level of rain being a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 14, the Bible says that I'll give you the rain of your land in due season, the first rain and the last rain, or the latter rain, that you may gather in your corn, your wine and your oil. Uh, the agricultural uh, environment of Israel had two rainy periods, one that came just after you planted the seed, and that would cause the seed to germinate, the roots to go down, and it would then be able to live and to flourish through a drier period, followed by another rainy period, which is called the latter rain, which would bring the fruit to ripen. And, of course, we need to have both rains. And if the Holy Spirit comes as two outpourings of rain, we have an indication that, obviously, the first great outpouring of the Holy Spirit took place at Pentecost. But the Bible indicates that there will be another outpouring of rain at the return of Jesus. Let's go over, just before the return of Jesus. Let's go over, and that's of course, is going to be the latter rain, Joel Chapter 2 is where we're going to read about this. Joel chapter 2, and let's go down to verse 23, where the Bible says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain, yes, at Pentecost, moderately. So it's interesting that Pentecost is spoken of as being moderate outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Um, and he will cause to come down for you the latter rain, the former rain, former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Here the Bible speaks about a tremendous outpouring of the Holy Spirit just before Jesus comes back. What is the result? It will come to pass that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. This is PJ Anderson. Came like me, so I could see more like you. The world as it should be, the way that you created it to be. Where beauty is beyond what we. And hatred is a burden we don't know And mercy, mercy, sweet like the summer rain Forgiveness is a fortress that takes away our pain
listening to PJ Anderson with Mercy, Mercy uh, here on Faith FM. And we have had Sally call in this morning to talk about the issue of abortion. We talked mm. about that uh, early on in the program. Sally, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. We're just having a slight technical problem right here. Uh, let me see. Sally, can you hear us there yet? And uh, our producer is um, tearing her hair out. We had this working and then we didn't have it working and uh, we managed to get Mon on. Um, but uh, we just kind of have nothing taking place out there with the... Uh, we had a major stress this morning oh, trying, to get, yeah. trying to get Mon to uh, <laughs> Mon's piece to, to come on the phone. And um, I do not know why it worked before and now it just... Sally, as soon as you hear our voice, yes. just... Hello, Sally, we've got you. Yes, yes, I can hear you. <laughs> That's fantastic. We do apologize for that. We have a brand new system here and, uh, mm. yeah, some teething problems. Um, Sally, okay. what, what would you like to talk about? Uh, I was listening to the radio this morning about abortions. And during the discussion, not one mention of the father's of these babies, mm. not one mention of men. And I thought if you want to do something about it, then start training and educating the boys and the men because it takes a male and a female to make a baby. Many men run off and leave the mothers of these babies in the lurch. So... The discussion this morning sounded very naive to me. I've spoken to many women over the years that have experienced abortions. And when I hear a discussion in public about the women having the abortions and no mention of the men, it upsets me because I think it takes a male and a female and the males need to take responsibility Many times there's been pressuring of the women into sex and then pressuring the women to have abortions and then the men continue to impregnate the women. There must be education for boys and men about sex as well as for women. Absolutely, Sally. I think this is a... I'm so glad you've called the talk and to... to called in to talk about this because this is um, an absolutely crucial issue and you've Mm. really done a good job of highlighting it. I am 100% on your side with this. Yeah. And uh, the men who are out there need to stand up. They need to take responsibility. Mm. They need to not get, not be getting women pregnant in the first place. In our society today, this is not a hard thing to do. Mm. You know, contraception is an easy thing. Take some responsibility. Don't be idiots. And, uh, mm. and if you do find yourself in that situation, don't be pressuring people to have an abortion. Don't be trying to have, you know, somebody who... You, know, you don't try and have somebody kill your child. Man That's right. Be a, be, be a father to that child, you know. It, it's, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be inconvenient and all yeah. the rest. But there is a new life there that can bring so much blessing to our world. Mm. Yes, that's right. You said it very well. <laughs> so well I'm think, glad. Uh, I'm yeah. glad that you highlighted it and 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 uh, gave us the opportunity to uh, add some balance to this morning's conversation. It's a yes. um, it's a really important issue. Mm. The men that spoke about it this morning seemed very naive. 
and very sheltered um, concerning the subject. And I really think they need to speak to women and men that have had this experience. Yeah. Indeed, we do. Indeed, we do. Sally, thank you so much for uh, for calling in thank and uh, highlighting that uh, that particular issue for us. Um, there thank is two you sides. So to, uh, you're welcome. There is two sides to this conversation, and uh, we always like to uh, take calls from our listeners whenever we can. And uh, that was um, Sally calling in right there. Um, right now, we do need to move on with our program because we yeah. are running out of time. But um, it is a uh, important part of the whole equation. Yeah, personal responsibility. There, and by the way, I just want to encourage people, you hear something on Faith FM, you've got the opportunity, this is the live show, Yes, this is where your voice can be heard, uh, call in and uh, have your say. Give us we, a call. Um, we, we always appreciate that. Yeah. No, it's actually, no, she made such a good point. I was like, yeah, yeah, personal responsibility. In fact, it was something 100%. that I was thinking about this morning. Um, as we were doing that presentation, I didn't have time to, you know, obviously cover every mm. every part of the story, but it did go through my mind that there is a another whole aspect of this that we haven't covered here on yep. Faith FM, and that gave us the opportunity to do so. Man, so good. But we have a book to give away. Of course, we've been talking about in the question of the day, we talked about rain. Now, that's a, um, a symbol or, a, uh, yeah, it, it represents the Holy Spirit in the Bible, you know, when, when rain is being poured out um, into someone's life. And I've got a book here. Um, it's by a guy by the name of Dennis Smith, and the book is called Spirit Baptism and New Wineskin Fellowship. So basically what that means and what, what this book's about is, um, you know, having the Holy Spirit in your life and ex- having the best Christian experience that you can. You know, um, I think the only way for us to have the best Christian experience that we can possibly have is to to include all facets of Christianity, and one of those is fellowship. And, a, you know, spirit-filled fellowship is probably one of the best things ever. Like, legitimately having those people around you who, you know, you all love each other and you love God collectively and it's filled with the Spirit. Like, it is just the best. If you want to learn more about that, if you want to know more about how you can have that in your life, give us a call 1-800-324-843 and we will give you this book completely for free.